We're going to be learning Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the first piece in Hilchos Ishus. This is on the Rambam Perak Beis Halacha Tess. Rab Chaim is analyzing the concept, the principle in Halacha that Banim Harehim Kisimanim, that if a girl, a young child girl, has a baby herself, so in Halacha we view her as being an adult. Uh, the flip side of that is that it is impossible for a ktana, a child, to have their own child. Uh, as soon as they do that, they are considered a gadol in halacha, even if she's under the age of bat mitzvah. So Reb Chaim is going to have a long and wide-ranging analysis of this. Uh, is it practical? Is it halachic? What exactly uh, is the meaning of it? Does it mean from the time she conceives, from the time she gives birth, and uh, many other details? The Rambam says the following, If a girl gives birth after 12 years old, so she is already 12 years, even though she has, doesn't have the other sign of puberty, which we normally look for. Harezeg Dola, we still consider her an adult. Why? Because Banim Harehem Kesimanim. Because once she gives birth, once she has a child, that is itself like a Siman. That's a sign of puberty, and we consider her a Gdola. So this Rambam is based on a Gemara in Yevamos. The Gemara talks about three women who are permitted to use a contraceptive to put a little cloth, a moch, in, uh, in to them when they have relations in order to prevent pregnancy, even though uh, we generally don't allow that. Uh, but in these cases, it's allowed. One of them is a ktana, a child. And the reason the Gemara explains is Shem Shema Tamus. We're concerned that if she gets pregnant, she may die. Her body can't carry a pregnancy. It's too small and it's a danger. So the Gemara asks, If it's only a concern, then that implies that there are children, there are young women, 10, 11-year-old girls, who do give birth and they don't die. So if so, we have a very strange case. There is, it's possible to have a situation where someone's mother-in-law uh, performs miyun. Miyun is the situation where a girl gets married before being a gdola. She's still halachically a child, and she's able to just walk away from her husband. So long as it wasn't her father who enacted the marriage, that would be a, a full marriage, mido raisa. But uh, if she, her brother, her mother, someone else, uh, herself, someone else made the marriage, so then she's able to just walk away. That's called miyun. So imagine a very strange situation, a 10-year-old gets married, her father's died, she marries herself, she has a little daughter, the daughter gets married at six months, and this young woman could still walk away, she's only 11 years old, she could still walk away and have meun. So the Gemara answers, no, there's no such thing, and uh, the principle over here is, Amar Rav Safra, Banim Harem Kisimanim. Rav Safra holds that the Banim, once you have a child, that is itself a Siman. So if a 10-year-old, if an 11-year-old girl gives birth, then automatically she's considered a Dola, and she can no longer do Miun. So anyone who's a mother-in-law automatically cannot do Miun because she's a Dola. Uh, the Gemara quotes Rav Zvid, has a similar idea. Uh, he says, Ein banim manim. There's no such thing as having a child unless this girl had already brought the uh, signs of puberty. So the fact that she has a child is not what makes her an adult, but it is indicative that she must have already been an adult. So this is the source for the Rambam that we just mentioned. Uh, he's holding like Rav Safra, that the Banim Harem Kisimanim, that once someone has a child, they become a gadol. Now, the problem is this, that Tosos explains at what point do you become a gadol, when do we consider this girl to be an adult, is when she conceives. 
All right, but the Rambam disagrees with that. The Rambam says that Habas Sheyolda once she gives birth. So we have a machlokis here between Tosos and the Rambam at what stage of the process of the pregnancy does this young woman become a gdola? Does this child become considered a gdola? According to Tosos, it's at the moment of conception, and according to the Rambam, it's at the moment of birth. Now, the Nemuke Yosef brings a proof to Tosus's position that it's conception from a Gemara in Ksubis, Andaf Lamed Ches. The Gemara there is discussing a somewhat convoluted case, uh, which is Rava has a question about Nairus and Bagros. The basic rules are, let's say in an ideal case, a girl would have the first signs of puberty at 12, and then she becomes a Naira. Six months later, she becomes a Bulgaris, and that's when she becomes a full adult and takes full ownership of herself. So uh, Rava wants to know, there's a situation where a girl has some money coming to her, uh, but it still has to go to court. And suppose she dies within those six months. So who would get the money at the end of the six months, right? When she turns 12 and a half, so to speak, she's not alive anymore. So he wants to know, do we consider her a Bogaris at the end of that period? Or do we view it almost as if time stopped and her father still has the financial rights to what she's going to get? Now, that question is not so relevant to our topic, but the Gemara then goes on a side discussion. It wants to know what difference does any of this make? So it discusses a situation where she has a son and after 12 and a half months, when when the money comes, does her father get it or does her son get it? So the Gemara raises now the, uh, the practical issue here. How could she have a son? We said from the Gemara Nyevamos that Bonim Harehem Kisimanim, that once she's pregnant, it's as if she became an adult. That's puberty. So if so, how is it possible that a girl could give birth and still not be a Bogaris? Right, the Gemara says, if you're going to say that maybe she got pregnant when she was a Naira and then she gave birth when she was a Naira, well, Shmuel said that from the time she becomes a Naira until she becomes a Bogaris is only six months. And uh, birth, give the process of pregnancy, is at minimum six months. So the Gemara basically cannot come up with a situation where a girl would die at 12 and a half or younger having given birth already and not being considered a halachic adult. So the Namuke Yosef points out that this problem that the Gemara raises is only an issue if you hold like Tosfos, that the moment of conception is when we consider her to have hit halachic puberty. So then from the time she conceives, she becomes a Naira and it's at minimum six months until she gives birth. And therefore there's no way for someone, for a girl to give birth to a living baby and then to die and to not be a Bulgaris. That's an impossibility and the Gemara's question is a justified good question. But according to the Shittas HaRambam, says the Namuke Yosef, we have a very simple case where we need to know about whether she becomes a Bulgaris in the grave or not. Let's say she gave birth at 12 years and two months. So according to the Rambam, at that point, she becomes a Naira. And then if she dies within the next six months, so we have a very easy, simple case where she gave birth, but she's not a Bulgaris yet. So the Namuke Yosef says that the fact that the Gemara raises this whole problem seems to be proof that the Gemara understood that the Siman of Banim, when does puberty come in the pregnancy process, it must be in, during conception. And therefore, six months later, she's a Bulgaris, but according to the Rambam, that the Siman of Banim, 
that the puberty comes at the moment of birth, so then it's a simple case for a girl to give birth and then die without having lived six months after that. So this is the question that Rab Chaim is going to spend this long piece trying to answer, and he's going to have a number of different approaches. So the first idea Rab Chaim suggests is that it's not true that a girl under 12 years old cannot get pregnant. It's clear in the Gemara Nyevamos that a girl, a 10, 11-year-old, could get pregnant, but she or the fetus will die. In other words, what she cannot do when she's a child is have a viable pregnancy with a living baby. So that means that the proof for becoming an adult is not getting pregnant, but it's being, it's giving birth to a living baby. It's being able to deliver a baby who's able to live. So now says Rab Chaim, when the Rambam said that she becomes a gedola at the moment of birth, does he mean that it's birth which determines the siman, that's the sign of puberty, not the conception? Or does he mean something a little different? He, the Rambam fundamentally agrees with Tosfos that the moment of conception is the moment of when she be, hits puberty. That's a sign of puberty. But we don't know if this baby is going to be viable until she gives birth and we see that the baby is alive. So we don't know during that whole period of the pregnancy whether this is actually a sign of an adult having a pregnancy or it's a child having a pregnancy and the pregnancy won't be viable. That's why, says the Rambam, you cannot say that she becomes a gedola at the moment of conception. We have to wait and see until she gives birth. And once she gives birth, says the Rambam, we don't backtrack and say, that now we see that in hindsight, she was a gdola this whole time, but rather we say that at the moment of birth is when she becomes a gdola. So according to this reading, the machlokas between Tosvos and the Rambam would be that according to Tosvos, as soon as a girl conceives, we consider that a possible sign of puberty. So uh, that's immediately, even if the baby doesn't live, even if she dies and the baby dies in the course of this pregnancy, it's very possible that that was a sign of puberty. The reason we need a viable pregnancy and for her to be alive and for the baby to be alive is to prove that this in fact was a sign of puberty. But it's not intrinsic that she has to live and the baby has to live in order for it to have been a sign of puberty. It's possible that it was a sign of puberty even if she and the baby don't make it, they don't live through it. The reason why the halacha insists that she and the baby live is in order to prove it without question that she's certainly an adult. Her body is that of an adult. The Rambam, on the other hand, understands this differently, that if she and the baby do not live, it's not a viable pregnancy, so then that is not a sign of puberty at all. The only sign that she's a gedola is if she conceives with a viable pregnancy, and therefore the only time we could possibly know that she really is a gedola, that her body has matured, is only at the moment of birth when a viable baby comes out. And this is based on the Rambam reads the Gemara very carefully that banim harehim kisimanim. It says children are like a siman. It doesn't say that a fetus. It doesn't say a pregnancy. There has to be an actual ben. There has to be a child here in order for us to say that it's a siman. So once that's the case, the Rambam says that 
The only way to backtrack and say that she became a gdola at the moment of conception would be to say that we go backwards. In other words, at the when she gives birth, we say that this was a viable pregnancy to begin with. And that, like we said before, that we don't say igloi milsilim afreya, we don't apply that rule here that we can backtrack it. So it only becomes a gdola at the time that she actually gives birth. So based on this understanding, now Reb Chaim comes back to the Namuka Yosef's question and he says that according to the Rambam, we could explain the Gemara and Ksubos because the way Reb Chaim's explaining the Rambam, the Rambam too agrees that fundamentally it's the moment of conception, which is the siman that this girl is a doler. She's hit puberty. The only reason the Rambam requires birth is in order to establish for sure that the baby's going to live. So therefore, there's going to be a distinction. If it's a question which is lemafreya, if it's relevant to things which happened in the past, so there we don't say we don't backtrack it and anything that happened already, we consider her to have been a ketana. We're not going to go back and say that throughout the pregnancy, that whole time she was a gdola. But anything which is relevant to the future which lahaba things which questions which come up from now on so in that situation she's certainly viewed as a gedola from now on and that gedola began when she conceived so in the Gemara and Ksubis where we're talking about when the bagrus started when she becomes a bogeras six months after puberty so in that situation it's a question which is relevant on the future so the moment she gives birth we immediately determine that she became a nairo she had the puberty signs uh, at least seven, eight, nine months ago when she gave, when she conceived. And she's also hit Bagros because from now on she's a Bulgaris. So in th- that situation, she would become both a Naira and a Bulgaris at the same moment of birth. And that's why the Gemara is bothered. How could you ever have a situation where a girl gives birth to a baby, but she's not considered a Bulgaris? Bulgaris is a question of Lahaba, the future. And in that situation, we would certainly say that the moment of conception determines when she becomes a Bulgaris so that by the time she gives birth, she becomes a Bogara. So according to Rab Chaim's read of the Rambam, that would resolve that Gemara, the Namuke Yosef's question from Ksubos, and uh, it would also come up with this odd situation where she becomes both a Naira and a Bogaris, even though they're usually six months apart, but in that situation she becomes both a Naira and a Bogaris the moment she gives a birth. And Reb Chaim adds that we could even formulate this in a sharper way, that the six months between Nairus and Bagrus are not that, that she actually has to be a gedola for six months. It's not that at the moment of puberty, when the simanim come, the six months begin. It means any six months where she could potentially be a gedola. That's all you need in those six months. Not actual gedola, but the potential for gedola. So in that situation, that would even sharpen this idea that once she becomes pregnant, even though according to the Rambam, that's not an immediate sign of the Siman that she's a Naira, but it's certainly potential. It's, it's certainly a situation where she may be a Gedola at that point once the baby comes and is viable. So even though when she gives birth to the baby, we don't backtrack it all the way, but certainly once she gives birth to the baby more than six months later, it's going to become apparent that she's already a Bulgaris. So Rabchaim slightly redefining the six months between a Naira and a Bulgaris 
It's not that she has to already have the signs of being a gedola. And then six months later, she becomes a bogaris. But once she potentially might be a gedola, then already the six months begins, and six months later, she's a bogaris. And that's why, again, in that situation where she gives birth at a young age, as a child, she would immediately become both a naira and a bogaris, according to the Rambam, uh, certainly according to Tosos, because she got pregnant more than six months ago. But uh, even the Rambam would agree in that situation that she becomes a bogaris. And that's why the Gemara questions, how do you ever have a case where a girl could die and have a child and still not be a Bulgaris. Now Reb Chaim continues to delve into this Shita Saram. The Rambam holds that the Siman of Banim, that status of being a Gdola, begins at birth. So Reb Chaim says, what does that mean? Does it mean that the whole Siman, the whole process only begins at birth? And we don't do Igloi Milsa Lamafreya, so we don't backtrack it. So once she gives birth, there's now a Siman that she's a Gdola. Or is it a bit more nuanced? Do we say that she only becomes a Gdola when she gives birth, but the Siman which is going to make her a gedola, was already there from the moment of conception. In other words, we can distinguish between when the simen arrives and when the simen makes her a gedola. So the simen is there as soon as she conceives. There's already the simen, but it doesn't make her a gedola until she gives birth, at which point that simen takes effect and she becomes a gedola. So now, says Rab Chaim, according to this uh, additional point, we could answer... The- I'm not saying you have to love football. We all have different likes and dislikes, people. Personally, I'm not a fan of the avocado. I just don't like the mouthfeel. But, but if you're someone who loves football, I mean, truly loves it well, my sportsbook app might be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat on confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. The Gemara and Ksubis, according to the Rambam, even more simply, the Rambam will say that Bagrus depends not on when she became a Gedola. It's not six months from when she achieved the status of Gedola, but it's six months from when the Simen came. So it's irrelevant when she became a Naira, whether it was at the moment of conception or when she gave birth. Either way, the simen was there from the moment of conception, and six months later, she's going to be a Bogaris. So any girl who gives birth is automatically going to be a Bogaris. There cannot be a case where a girl gives birth and then dies, and she's not a Bogaris yet, because the moment she conceives, the, the simen is already there, even if she's not a Gedola, and six months later, she will become a Bogaris. So this distinction between when the simon arrived and when the simon makes her a gedola would also resolve the Gemara and Ksubis that uh, she's certainly a bogaris once she gives birth because it's six months after the simon arrived. And now, says Rab Chaim, he thinks this approach, distinguishing between when the simen comes and when the simen makes her a gedola, is uh, an even better approach than the first one because it resolves another issue from that Gemara on the Rambam. And that is, the Rambam holds that the simen of Banim, this that she becomes a gedola through giving birth, is only after she's 12 years old. That's the Lashna Rambam. 
Habas sheyolda achar yud beis shana if a girl gives birth after 12 years old. So if she gives birth when she's 11, that would not make her a gedola. If so, says Rab Chaim, there seems to be another simple way to answer the Gemara and Ksubis' question. The Gemara wants to know how could you have a girl who gives birth and is not a Bulgaris, so the answer could be that she got pregnant when she was 11. According to the Rambam, that is not going to be a simen, a proper simen that she's a gdola because she's under 12. And then she gives birth right as she turns 12. So the giving birth was at after 12. She becomes a gdola through giving birth, but she still does not have six months to become a bogaris. And if she dies shortly thereafter, then she'll have the question of a naira who gives birth without being a bogaris. So says Rab Chaim very brilliantly that according to his distinction between when the simon comes and when it makes her a gedola, we could answer this question too. And that is that the Rambam only holds that you need to be 12 years old in order to make her a gedola. In other words, just giving birth alone does not make her a gedola. You need both the simon and it needs to come after 12 years of age. But that's all with regard to making her a gedola, giving her the status of a gedola. But with regard to the simen itself, which as Rab Chaim just said, is different than whether the simen makes her a gedola, that could come even earlier. There's no criteria that it has to come after 12 years in order to be a simen. So if she gets pregnant at 11 years old, that simen is already a proper simen. And as we said, a proper simen is going to start the process of becoming a bogaris in six months. And even though it's not a simen that could make her a gedola because she's not 12 years old, once she becomes 12 years old, she's going to become a gedola if she gives birth after that. And she's also going to become a bogaris. It doesn't matter that the simen first started when she was under 12 years old. So this distinction between the simen and the simen making her a gedola is going to solve this further problem on the Rambam, that the Rambam Shita is that the simen only takes effect to make her a gedola after 12 years old. And according to that, it would be simple to find a case in the Gemara and Ksubis where a girl dies after giving birth and not being a Bulgaris. It's simply where she got pregnant before she was 12. But according to Rab Chaim's approach, now we can resolve that because anytime she gets pregnant, even if she's less than 12 years old, it will already start the clock for becoming a Bulgaris. And as soon as she gives birth after 12 years old, uh, she'll become a Gdola and also a Bulgaris. So that's why there is no case where a girl gives birth and then dies without being a Bulgaris. So this distinction between the simen and when the simen makes her a Gdola is very important and very helpful to the Rambam's reading of the Gemara and Ksubis. So these are Reb Chaim's two approaches to resolve this Gemara. Uh, number one is that we could say that the six months of becoming a Bulgaris doesn't depend on actually starting the time of becoming a gedola, but it depends on when you are potentially a gedola. So once she conceives, that would already start the six months. And the second approach, which he prefers, uh, doesn't need to say that. It, it says something even more subtle, which is that the simen could take effect even if it doesn't make her a gedola. So even though the simen will only make her a gedola at birth, but from the moment of conception, it's already considered a valid simen. And that will start the process of the six months of Bagrus. And when the Gemara said, Banim harehim kesimanim, according to the Rambam, this was a two-step process. There's the simen, 
which is at the moment of conception and begins the six months of Bagrus, and then there's the actual actual status of Gedola, which comes from that simon, and that's at the moment of birth. Now, Reb Chaim goes to a very fascinating case. The Gemara Yevamos and Pei has a case that somebody ate chelev. They weren't allowed to eat it. They were between the ages of 12 and 18, but they had no signs of puberty. So they were a cotton, and they were not punished. Then, Noldubo Simon It turned out that uh, they were a eunuch, so they were not going to have the normal signs of puberty. So the question is, how do we evaluate when they ate that prohibited food? So this is the Machlokas Rav and Shmuel. Rav holds Nasa Sris Lamafreya that we backtrack and we say that they were a eunuch, they were a guttle that whole time, and they get punished. Uh, Shmuel, Shmuel says that we evaluate them as a katan when they ate the chelev, and only from now on are they treated as a sris, but we don't backtrack it. So Rab Chaim has two ways to explain the Machlokas Rav and Shmuel. First is that Rav and Shmuel are disagreeing about does Asris need specific signs that he is a Saris, that he's a eunuch, or do we just assume that automatically he became a Saris even without those signs? So Rav holds that once we know that someone is a Saris, we assume that automatically he becomes a Saris. Once he didn't become a regular adult, so then he becomes a Gadol. And uh, later on, when he got those signs that he is a eunuch, that just verified his status, but he was already a guttel. And Shmuel, though, holds that you need an actual sign, a simon, that this person is a sris in order to turn them into a sris. So we don't say that uh, they've always been a sris. We say that only once they get the signs, they become a sris. That's the first way. Says Rab Chaim that the other option of how to read this machlokas is that everybody holds that you need a sign that this person is a sris. We don't just make someone a guttel without a sign. They do need uh, simen that this person is a guttel, even for a sris. But the machlokas is about whether we backtrack. Do we say, Rav holds that we go back and we say that once we verify that there are sris, so then we can see that it happened even earlier, and Shmuel holds that we don't backtrack. So Rab Chaim prefers this second reading of the Machlokas, and he says that it seems like that from the Gemara, because the Gemara over there asks, according to Rav, that we backtrack, so an Ailonis, let's say a, a woman who's not going to develop the normal reproductive organs process, so the halacha is that if someone is ma'anis her, they're forcibly with her, they don't have to pay a kenas. So the Gemara asks that according to Rav, they should have to pay a kenas because once we can verify that she's an Ilonis, we should backtrack it and make them pay. So Tosus has a question over there, which is, why is that only a question on Rav that we backtrack, even according to Shmuel, that we don't backtrack, but there still should be cases when... A, person has to pay a knas to an ailonis. Once we've established that she is an ailonis, a man who is ma'anis, her after that, should have to pay her the knas of the ailonis. So Tosus answers that the din of knas is only during the period of nairus, and the period of nairus, she's a naira, only for six months after she turns 12. And since the Ailonis develops the simonim, that she's an Ailonis, 
much after 12. So there isn't going to be a case, according to Shmuel, where we can verify that she is an Ailunis and then she becomes a Naira. There is no Nairus when it comes to an Ailunis, and that's why there's no Kanas. But according to Rav, that we backtrack, so once we verify she's an Ailunis, we should backtrack it. And if someone was Ma'anis her in those six months after she turned 12, then he should have to pay. That's Tosus' approach to the Gemara, why the question of paying an Ailunis knas is only on Rav. But, says Rav Chaim, according to the Rambam, this approach is not going to work. Because the Rambam in Hilchus Ishus, Perak Beis, Alacha Gimel, he holds that for any woman, once she stops being a Ketana, the next six Six months, she's a Naira. So according to the Ramam, it's not only once she's 12 years old, the, the next six months she's a Naira, but at any time in a woman's life when she's no longer a Ketana, the moment she becomes a Gedola, the next six months she's a Naira. So according to the Rambam, there's still a problem in this Gemara. Why does the Gemara only ask on Rav that there should be a Knas for an Ailonis? According to Shmuel, who holds we don't backtrack the years of the Ailonis, but there should still be a Knas because once she becomes an Ailonis and she ceases to be a Ketana, the next six months she's a Naira. And during that time, if someone's Ma'anis her, he should have to pay a Knas. So it says Rav Chaim, according to the Rambam, um, the answer is that even though Shmuel doesn't hold that we backtrack, we don't just start going Igloi Milsal Mafreya and going back and evaluating when the Sris or the Ailonis became a, a Gadol or a Gdola. But that's only with regards to questions that are in the past, things that are with regard to Limafreya Halachas. That we don't backtrack. But anything which is Lahaba, if we're trying to figure out things which are in the future from this moment on, so there we certainly take into account that she was a Gdola much earlier. So once this girl becomes an islandist and we now are, have verified proof that she is an islandist and she's not going to develop in the regular way, at that moment we immediately consider her to have been a gedola for the purposes of Bagrus from much earlier, much much uh, before uh, six months, and she becomes both a Naira and a Bogaris immediately. So that's exactly the idea that Rabbi Chaim's been pushing this whole time, that you can become, you can have a simon even though she's not a gedola, such so that by the time the simon takes effect, she becomes both a naira, a gedola, and a bogaris, because the simon, the six months of the bagrus started earlier. So uh, this, according to the Rambam, is now the explanation according to Shmuel. Once she develops simanin, that she's an Ailonis, at that moment we don't backtrack. So anything that happened in the past, we don't start evaluating what the Sris or the Ailonis did between 12 and 18 and punishing them for that. But on the other hand, any question which is going to come up, it's clear that this person has been a Gadol for much longer than six months and she is a Bogaris, she's not a and that's why, according to Shmuel, there is no case where a man would have to pay an Ailonis a knas. Only according to Rav that we backtrack, we could ask, why don't we pay a knas for things that happened in the past? So, says Rav Chaim, this is exactly his approach that he's been suggesting with regard to a woman who gets pregnant, that the simonim start when she conceives, and the bogeres 
happens six months, the count for that begins at that point, and six months later she can become a Bogaris. But with regard to becoming a Gedola, that only happens when she gives birth. So according to the Rambam, this is the approach to the Gemara and Yevamos. Also, this is borne out from the question on Rav and not Shmuel, that according to Shmuel, it's also clear that she would become an Ailonis with regard to future questions. Um, right now, we don't backtrack, but anything that's going to affect when she becomes a Bulgaris, we would say that it takes effect immediately because we view it as having started much earlier than six months. So according to the Rambam, this approach, uh, it becomes evident from the reading of that sugya, unlike Tosvos. Now, Reb Chaim takes a little bit of a detour, and uh, he tries to say that this idea that he's developing could also fit into Rav. Rav holds that we do backtrack, but says Reb Chaim, this whole issue of uh, whether we backtrack or not, depending on whether we say Igloi Milsalim Afreya, all depends on whether or not you need Simone Sris. Meaning, if we're going to say that you need a Simon, that this person is a Sris, so then in that situation, once the simon comes, we don't backtrack because you can't say that because the simon is there now, it must have been there earlier. But if we're going to say that for a saris, we don't need a simon. All you need is years, meaning a saris, in order for someone to get that status in halacha, they don't actually bring a sign that they are a saris. They just live to be 18 or 20 years old, whatever the shear is, whatever the time is, once they've hit that age and they don't have simanim, then they become a saris. So says Rab Chaim that if Saris just depends on years, it doesn't depend on a simen, then of course we're going to backtrack because once they get to the age of 18 or 20, then it becomes apparent that they've been a Saris this whole time. So the whole issue of whether we're going to backtrack or not, the Machlokas Rav and Shmuel may not depend on whether we apply Igloi Milsalim Afreya to Simanim, but it might depend on whether or not a Saris needs Simanim. And according to that, Rav's position would be that Saris does not need uh, Simanim, it only needs years. Once the years come, this person's automatically considered a Saris. And therefore, of course, we're going to backtrack to when they were... 12 or 13, depending on a boy or a girl. So according to this reading of Rav, Rav does not disagree with anything the Rambam's saying. The reason why Rav backtracks is because here you don't need a simon. But where you do need a simon, he would agree with the Rambam's whole chiddish that you can't backtrack the simon, but any questions that pertain to the future from now on are automatically going to be resolved based on the simon. So Reb Chaim's trying to say that even though it sounded like from Shmuel's position and the way the Gemara interpreted it, there was a stronger proof to the Rambam's whole idea and how he formulates this halacha, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Rab disagrees with it. Rab just holds that the case of Saris is an exception because you don't need a real simon there. In a regular case where you do need a simon that this person is now a gadol or a gdola, so then in that situation he would agree with the Rambam's formulation that you don't backtrack, but you just move forward and use the simon. Now, Reb Chaim continues to delve into this, and he says even a sharper formulation of this idea, and this is a big chiddish. He says that we could make a fundamental differentiation between the simen of shtei Cyrus of puberty or giving birth. All of those are simanim of godlus, that this person is an adult. But they're fundamentally different than the simanim of a stris. In other words, the, the first idea we just said was that a stris might not need simanim. They just need years. 
Now Reb Chaim is saying, even if this Sris does need Simanim, so there needs to be some Simen that this person is a Sris, still it's fundamentally different from the regular Simanim of Godlus for other people. And the distinction Rab Chaim says is that for uh, the Simanim of a Sris are not Simanim of Godlus. When someone brings pubic hairs, or when someone has a baby. So then those are simanim that their body has matured and their body has hit puberty and they're an adult in halacha. But the sris doesn't bring simanim that they are a gadol. They bring simanim that they are a sris. Once they, there are simanim that they're a sris, so then what follows from... If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today at our award-winning and fully accredited treatment centers on the Eastern Shore and in Southern Maryland. You will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Se recomiendan las dosis de refuerzo de la vacuna contra el COVID-19 para ciertas personas. Para más información visita vaccinate.virginia.gov o llama al 877-829-4682. Mensaje del Departamento de Salud de Virginia. That is that they are an adult because uh, a Sris is also an adult, but they don't bring Simanim that they're a Gadol. They bring only Simanim as to the fact that they're a Sris and that then affects their being a Gadol. And Reb Chaim proves this. The Rambam in Hilchus uh, Ishus, Perek Beis, Alochi Yedalid, says, If somebody lost their reproductive organs, a, a son, so he's not going to mature in the regular way. And that's what we call a sris adam. It's a human-made sris, not natural. And the Rambam says, This person automatically becomes a gadol at 13 years old in one day because they're not going to bring a simen. Says Rab Chaim, you see from here that when we're dealing with a man-made sris, a sris adam, we don't need simanim of godless because there are no simanim. They're not going to get the regular simanim. They were they lost that ability. So once they hit thirteen, they automatically become a gadol, even though they don't have the regular simanim. So this is proof that when there are not simanim of godless, the simanim of sris replace those simanim, and they turn this person also into a gadol by the fact that they're a sris. Says Rav Chaim, even though that case is talking about a man-made sris, but we could apply the same thing to a sris chama, a natural-made sris, that here too, once they get the simanim of sris, that would automatically make them also a gadol. So, but these simanim work differently than the regular simanim of becoming a gadol. And Rab Chaim has a second proof to this idea that if a person is not going to have regular simanim of a gadol, they become a gadol through other simanim. He quotes the Rambam in Hilchos Ishus, Perek Beis, Halacha Chafhei, is talking about a tumtum and an androginos, people who have either both signs of men and women uh, or neither signs, so they're, they're androgynins. We're not sure what 
gender they are. Uh, one says the Rambam, As soon as they turn 12 years old in one day, they become a gadol. Now, the Raivet over there and the Magad Mishnah struggle with this, uh, what happened to the Simanim, and uh, they're not sure. The Magad Mishnah assumes that uh, the Rambam holds you don't need Simanim, and uh, that's how the Raivet seems to have read it, even though he's questioning it. But says Rab Chaim, according to that position, which uh, the Mfarshim there seem to accept, that you don't need Simanim when someone is genderless or both genders together. So we see again that because this person is not going to have the regular simanim of being a gadol, they have the simanim of an androgynous, which is unrelated to becoming a gadol, but still we apply those simanim and as soon as they turn 12 years old, and one day they already become, they get the status of a gadol in halacha. So says Rab Chaim, the same thing should apply to Srishchama, a natural Sri, someone who's not going to bring the regular signs of adulthood, once they bring the simanim of a sris, like someone who has the simanim of an androgynous, either way, that shifts them into being a gadol once they hit the right years, either 12 or 13, depending on the case. But all of this would be very different than the simanim we've been talking about up until now of puberty or of giving birth, which are simanim that this person is now a gadol or a gadola. Says Rab Chaim that if we apply this distinction into Rav, then we have an even sharper formulation. Even if Rav holds that you do need a simon of the sris. The first idea was based on the notion that Rav holds a sris just becomes a sris through years by living. But even if we say differently that a sris does need simanim that they're a sris, those simanim are different than the simanim of regular per- people becoming a gadol. Because the sris just has simanim that they are a sris. It's about who they are, what kind of body they have. So those types of simanim, even though they are going to mean that this person becomes a gadol, that's just automatically they become a gadol. But once we know they're a sris, we could backtrack. We could say they've always been a sris. We could go back. So that's where Rav applies the notion of backtracking. But when it comes to regular simanim that this person is a gadol, there Rav would also agree you can't backtrack because the simen is what made them a gadol. So the simen has to have happened before us to give them the status of a gadol and we can't go back. And Reb Chaim adds that certainly in the case of a girl giving birth, according to the Rambam, who holds that it's the moment of giving birth that is the simen, not the conception. According to that, it's very hard to say that you can backtrack because if a girl gets pregnant and then the baby dies, the fetus dies, that would not be considered a simen that she's a gdola. It's only once she gives birth. So there you can't backtrack, and even Rav would agree that the simen only happens from now on. So according to Rav Chaim, even though it seemed that the Rambam's position follows Shmuel's position that we don't backtrack, but now Rav Chaim says that uh, Rav would also agree with the Rambam's position in the case of the simen of birth, that it's only from now on. Rav only said his position that we backtrack when it comes to Asris. Either that's because Asris doesn't need a simen, he just needs years, and years you could backtrack. Uh, or now Rav Chaim says a second idea, which is Asris does need simanim, but the simen of Asris is not that he's a gadol, it's that he's Asris. And that makes him a gadol. So that type of simon we could backtrack, but the simonim that this person is a gadol, that we can't backtrack because the simon has to have happened, so we can only use them moving forward. 
Now, coming back to the initial Rambam we began with, that uh, if a girl gives birth after 12 years old, that's a simon that she's an adult. So Reb Chaim goes to Machlokas between the Rashba and the Magid Mishnah. The Rashba in Yevam Mustaf Yud Gimel Amad Aleph explains that the Rambam's position that a girl has to be at least 12 years old in order to be considered an adult is because less than 12 years old is impossible it's biologically impossible for a girl to get pregnant with a living, viable baby. And the Rajba's proof for this reading is because the Gemara seemed to imply that unless someone is considered an adult, they cannot give birth to a viable baby. That's the whole idea that children are a simon, that this person is now an adult. So if the Rambam saying they can only give birth at 12, then it must be that prior to that, they're a child, and a child is impossible to get pregnant with a viable baby. Says Rab Chaim, according to the Rashba's position in the Rambam, so the question that he asked before from the Gemara and Ksubis, that maybe she got pregnant when she was 11, and then only gave birth at 12, so she didn't become a Bulgaris until later. So this question now has a simple answer, which is that that's biologically impossible, according to the Rambam, for her to get pregnant at 11 and give birth to a viable baby at 12. But the Magid Mishnah has a very different view of this Rambam. The Magid Mishnah says that the Rambam holds she could give birth even at a younger age than 12. She could get pregnant and give birth to a viable baby at 11. But she does not get the halachic status of Igdola until she has both giving birth and being 12 years old. So there's a minimum age requirement in order to apply the simon of birth to make her an adult. Now, the Magid Mishnah asks the question that the Gemara seems to contradict this because the Gemara in Yevamo said that there's no such thing as someone's mother-in-law performing miyun, a, a girl cannot leave her husband because she's a child once she already has a baby. But according to the Magid Mishnah, if she had a baby at 11 and that baby married another guy as an infant, then his mother-in-law could still do miyun because she's not 12. She hasn't given birth at the age of 12 yet. So the Magid Mishnah says that once she gives birth, she can no longer do miyun. But says Rab Chaim, according to this Magid Mishnah's position that an 11-year-old could give birth, but still not be considered a gedola in halacha. So we're back to our problem from the Gemara in Ksubis. The Gemara there said that no girl can ever give birth and then die and then become a Bulgaris, the 12 and a half year old stage, after she's already a mother. But according to the Magid Mishnah, if she gave birth at 11, then she turned 12 and became a gedola through the signs of puberty, the regular way, and then she died before 12 and a half, that would be a simple case. So we're back to our question according to the Magad Mishnah from the Gemara and Ksubis. So Reb Chaim suggests that there's two ways to view this Magad Mishnah. Do we say that if she gives birth at 11 and the baby's viable, and then she turns 12, since she gave birth before 12, that whole process doesn't count, and she now needs to bring other signs that she's a gedola? Or do we say that even though she didn't become a gedola when she gave birth, but once she turns 12, the birth kicks in. So she gives birth at 11 and a half, and now she turns 12, and she has a six-month-old baby, she automatically becomes a gedola because she has the bunim, 
even though they didn't count when they first came, but once she turns 12, though, that simon kicks back in, and now she's a gdola right then. So, says Rab Chaim, if the Magid Mishnah means the second way, that she doesn't need to bring new proof, she's going to automatically become a gdola once she gets the years, then the Gemara Subis would again make sense, because once she gave birth at 11 and a half, that's the simon. The simon is there, even though it doesn't take effect, because she needs to be 12. But as we said before, once the simon is there, it already begins the countdown of six months towards Bagrus. And as soon as she becomes a Gdola, so she turns 12 and becomes a Gdola, she becomes both a Naira and a Bogaris at the same time, because the six months of the Bagrus count already started. So according to this equation, the Gmarink Subis does make sense. It answers that. Because when the Gemara asked if there's Bagrus after she dies, that was only about Bagrus. But she can't become a Gdola in the grave, right? In order to become a Gdola, she has to have Simonim and she has to be alive. And even in this strange case where she gave birth at 11 and then turns 12 and automatically becomes a Gdola, but still, that also couldn't happen, take effect if she died before her 12th birthday, because the birthday only puts into effect the Simanim that happened prior to that. But if she's not alive in order for her body to register those Simanim, so then we can't consider her a Gdola. So it's clear in the Gemara and Ksubis that she had to become a Gdola some way before she died. Either she had Simanim, regular Simanim of Godless, or according to the Magad Mishnah, she might have given birth at 11, but she had to have lived to her 12th birthday. And in addition, as is his way, Rab Chaim adds an even sharper formulation of this. He says that there's a key distinction between becoming a Bogaris and becoming a Gidola. Becoming a Bogaris simply means that she is no longer a Naira. So a regular girl becomes a Naira at 12 years old. Six months later, she is no longer a Naira, and she's now automatically a Bogaris. But it's really the absence of being a Naira anymore. And the proof for this, he says, is an Ailonisa, a woman who's not going to develop properly. So she goes straight from being a child, from being a Ktana, straight into being a Bogaris. There is no Nairus there. So you see that if there's not going to be Nairus, automatically the next step is to become a Bogaris. But becoming a Gdola is very different. There has to be something active that happens. She, her body has to mature. She has to become a Gdola in order to get that. So according to this distinction, says Rab Chaim, that's why the Gemara asked, could she become a Bulgaris after death when she's already in the Kever? Because that just happens automatically. So it's possible, even if she's no longer alive, that she could get that status, which would mean her estate would have those halachas and go to her son instead of her father. But you cannot ask that question about becoming a gedola, because a gedola she has to be alive for. It means a change in herself, and unless she's alive for that to happen, then it couldn't happen. So, Based on all of this, Rab Chaim says that the Gemara was never asking, can she become a Gedola after death? Only can she become a Bogaris. Either because a Gedola has to have Simonim that happened to her, or in the second formulation, because a, to become a Gedola is reflective of what's actually happening to her. So she has to be alive. So once Rab Chaim established that she has to be a Gedola by the time she dies, in the case of that Gemara, otherwise there's no question. So now the Gemara Subis makes sense, even according to the Magid Mishnah, because even if she gave birth when she was 11, she had to become a Gedola, which, as he explained, would mean that she lives to her 12th birthday. And once her 
girls, the birthday comes, the simen of children, which she had at 11, kicks in, and she now becomes a gedola. But not only does she become a gedola, she also becomes a bogeris at that time. Because Rab Chaim already explained that once you have a simen, the six months counting of bogeris begins. And once she becomes a gedola, then the bogeris kicks in. So again, it would be impossible for a girl to have given birth and then to die being a gedola and not being a bogeris. Even in the Magid Mishnah's case, where she gave birth at a very young age, before she was 12, but once she becomes 12, automatically both the nairus and the bagrus kick in. And again, this is based on Reb Chaim's idea that you can distinguish between the simon itself and when the simon makes her a gedola. So in this case, the simon when she gave birth did not make her a gedola, but it was a simon that it started the time of the counting towards becoming a bogaris. But, says Rab Chaim, this all depends, again, on the issue he raised before, what does the Magid Mishnah hold? Does the Magid Mishnah hold that if she gives birth at 11, as soon as she turns 12, she becomes a Gedola, because that simon is, is like sitting and waiting there to be applied? Or does the Magid Mishnah hold that a pregnancy and a birth before 12 years old is irrelevant to making her a Gedola? So, if a girl gives birth at 11, and then she turns 12, she would need to bring a different Simon. We don't know uh, which way the Magid Mishnah means. So Reb Chaim says in the Rambam there is no proof to this because even though he says that she has to give birth after 12 years old, he just means that in general the simon of birth is only applicable after 12 years old. But if she had given birth at 11, it would be the same idea that once she turns 12, that simon takes effect. So we don't have a clear proof from the Rambam one way or the other. But he says there is a proof from the Magid Mishnah's reading of the Gemara. The Gemara had asked that you could have a case where a mother-in-law does miyun. So you see that there is no such thing as somebody doing miyun once they've given birth. According to the Magid Mishnah, they could give birth at 11 and still do miyun. So we said the Magid Mishnah answers that once she gives birth, she can no longer do miyun. But the, the problem is that the Gemara says she can't do miyun because banim harayim kisimanim, that it's a simen. So if you're telling me that it's only a simon after 12 years old and she gave birth at 11, it's not a simon, so why can't she do meal? So it says Rab Chaim that the Magid Mishnah must mean that even though it's not a simon that she's a gedola, but it's enough of a simon that she can no longer do meal. In other words, that's how he reads the Magid Mishnah's understanding of the Gemara's answer that she cannot do meal once she's given birth even though she's not a gedola. Says Rab Chaim, this already shows us that giving birth at 11 is a simon to something. It's not a simon that she's a gedola, but it is a simon, and that type of simon makes it that she can't do miyun. It would also make it that as soon as she turns 12, the simon comes back and she becomes a gedola. And the way Rab Chaim's been developing it, this whole piece, it should also make it that the count for bagrus begins, such so that as soon as she turns 12, she becomes both a Naira and a Bogaris. And that would again answer the Gemara and Ksubis, as we said, because there is no case of Egdola who gave birth who's not a Bogaris. So this is all well and good in the equation of Reb Chaim, uh, but he has a few questions on the Magid Mishnah's Shita, that if a girl gives birth at 11, she can no longer do Mion. 
First of all, Reb Chaim asks that if the Magid Mishnah is saying that giving birth at 11 prevents Mion, even though she's not a Gedola, she's not a Naira yet, so why didn't the Rambam explicitly put write this halacha in Hilchos Gerushin, in Perak Aleph, where he deals with the laws of Mion, and he just says that the girl can be Mema'enes, she could do Mion until she becomes a Naira. According to the Magid Mishnah, he should have said this exceptional case that if she gives birth at 11, she can no longer do Mion. So why didn't the Rambam explicitly record that halacha? Uh, the second question Rabbi Chaim asks is that the Gemara Nidarm and Daflamid Hay says, Tanabas Leda, he had asks a question, could a girl give birth? So the clear implication is that she cannot give birth. So that goes against the Magid Mishnah's idea that a child, an 11-year-old, could give birth. Reb Chaim adds in the parentheses that we could say there's a machlokas whether tochas man man. Do we view within the year? So that 11 year old year, uh, if a simon happens then, is it as if it's after 12 or before? And uh, Rabbi Yochanan holds that it's as if it's after 12. So maybe the Gemara Nidarim, which implies there's no such thing as a child giving birth, holds like Rabbi Yochanan. So once she gives birth, when she's 11, automatically she becomes a gedola. It's as if she's after 12. But we hold, unlike Rabbi Yochanan, that the 11th year is not like after 12. And so that's why the Rambam says that she's not going to be a gedola. So that would make sense of why the Gemara Nadarim says if she gives birth at 11, she's a, a gedola. In other words, it's physically possible but uh, that's the shita that she's going to be an adult, whereas the Rambam holds that it's physically possible, but she won't be considered an adult. But Reb Chaim says it's a dochak. So at the end of the day, that Gemara seems to imply that a katana cannot give birth physically like the Rashba and unlike the Magad Mishnah. But Reb Chaim adds that even though he's siding with the Rashba's reading that it's impossible to give birth before 12 years old, but that's only with regard to actually giving birth. But when it comes to getting pregnant, so there he holds like the Magid Mishnah that she could get pregnant in the, her 11th year. Uh, it's just that the birth is only going to be done after she's 12 years old. And Reb Chaim points out that even though the Rashba had a proof from the Gemara, the Gemara says that if not that Banim was a simen, then she would die and the child would die. It's impossible to give birth. So that implies that she can't get pregnant either. So Reb Chaim says that in a case where she got pregnant, and then she became a gedola. So then in that situation, she's now a gedola and she gives a birth. The only time the Gemara is saying that she, it's impossible for her to get pregnant and have a viable pregnancy or to live is if she's not a gedola at all. But once she became a gedola in the years, because she turned 12 in the middle of this, so then that would be possible now for it to transform into a pregnancy of a gedola and to give birth to a viable baby. So according to Rabbi Chaim, the Rambam could accept that even though she can only give birth after she's 12 years old, but she could get pregnant beforehand. Uh, the Rashba seems to hold that she couldn't get pregnant and live at all before she's 12. Uh, the Magad Mishnah holds that she could give birth to a viable baby before she's 12. And Rab Chaim has this sort of modified position of the Rashba, or maybe even a third position, uh, which is that she can get pregnant before 12, but she'd have to turn 12 to have the years of being a gedola in order to give birth to a viable pregnancy. Now, Reb Chaim analyzes one final Rambam, which touches on this subject. This piece is a very long and somewhat complicated discussion of a fairly obscure topic. Most of us probably didn't think that we would explore this topic in such great depth, but we're studying 
the world's uh, most comprehensive piece on Banim Harim Kisimanim. We're going to be world experts on this, so we're making good progress. The last Rambam we're going to discuss is in Hilchus Ishus Parakut Tes Halachi Yedalit. The Rambam says, Basa Mima Enes, the daughter of a Mima Enes. So a girl got married, she did Miun, and now she has a daughter with the man that she was married to in this non-Doraisa marriage, and she left without needing a get. So the Rambam says about that daughter, that she's like any other daughter of this man, and he has to support her. Now, the Ravid has a question on this. He says, hold on. How could you ever have the case of the Rambam that there's a daughter of a Mima'enes? Forget about the Halacha. The Halacha may be right or wrong, but... How could you have this case to begin with? Because we just said, Banim Harem Kisimanim, this whole piece. So once she gives birth, she's now a Gedola and she can no longer do Mion. So how is it ever possible to have a woman who did Mion and has a child with that husband? The, the Ravid says, There's no such thing as a, a Mima'enes having a daughter or a son. So how does this case ever come about? So basically there's a Machlokas, the Rambam and the Ravid, whether or not you could have someone, a woman who does Mion, but has a child from that marriage. The Rambam says there is such a case, and the Ravid says, how could that be? Once she has a child, she's a Gedola. And she can't do me. Now, the Magid Mishnah there explains that this Rambam is Lashitaso. The Rambam in our halach in Parag Beis holds that Banim Harem Kesimanim is only from the moment of birth. So there is a case where a girl could do Mion if she does it while she's pregnant. The whole pregnancy from the moment of conception until birth, she's still a katana. She could do miyun, leave the marriage, and then give birth after, so it's possible to have a daughter of a woman who did miyun. The rivid, though, would hold, like Tosvos Shita, that the simen of banim, the children's simen, is from the moment of conception, is already considered Egedola. So that's why the Ravid says it's impossible to do Miun once she has a baby because from the moment of conception and on, the whole pregnancy, she can no longer do Miun. So the Magid Mishnah says that this Machlokas, the Ramam and the Ravid, whether a Mima Enes could ever have a baby, is the same Machlokas as the Rambam and Tosvos, whether the Banim Harem Kisimanim, the simen of that she's a Gedola, is at the moment of conception or the moment of childbirth. Now, Reb Chaim asks on this Magid Mishnah that if that's the Ravid's objection, why did he wait until Perak test till chapter 19, to raise this issue? He should have raised it in chapter 2, in the Rambam that we're dealing with here, where he says that you have to give birth in order to be considered a Gedola. So why didn't the Ravid immediately object that you don't need to give birth, you just need to conceive? So Reb Chaim says on a simple level, you could answer that the first halacha in Perak Beis is not so clear. And the Rambam just says that once she gives birth, she's considered a Gedola. But it just might mean that we have to wait and see if it's a viable pregnancy. But it's not clear from that halacha that the Rambam holds that it's birth and not conception. But when he got 17 chapters later to Perakut Tess, and the Rambam there says that you can have a daughter of a Mima'enes, so that's when it becomes very clear that the Rambam holds that it's not conception, it's birth, and she could do Miun during the pregnancy. So that's why the Ravid on that halacha objects that the actual simon is from the moment of conception. So that's a sort of simple solution why the Ravid waited 17 chapters, because that halacha is much clearer. This halacha, there's some ambiguity. 
But says Rab Chaim that there's another way to read the Ravid's objection differently from the Magid Mishnah. And this second approach would make it that the Ravid's objection is tailored to Perak Yudtes and has nothing to do with Perak Beis. And that is that the Ravid also agrees with the Rambam that the simon of children is childbirth, not conception like Toso. So they both agree on that point. So what is their machlokas? So Reb Chaim explains based on a very deep idea when it comes to miyun. The miyun is not like a get. A get ends a marriage. It's what we call a divorce in English. But the miyun uproots a marriage. It's what we call in English an annulment. It annuls the whole marriage to begin with. So the Gemara in Yevamas and Daf Kufches says that a mima'enes, she's allowed to marry her former husband's relatives, and he's allowed to marry her relatives, because we don't consider them related. Normally, a divorced people would not be able to marry certain relatives of each other, but in Mima'enes, they're allowed to. And the Rambam in Hilchus Gerish in Perak Yidalaf, Zayin, he explains, Hamimma'enes ene megureshes mimenu, Hamimma'enes is not divorced. Vedina imbala shemiyanabo, kedina imishlo kitshemei olam. Her relationship with her husband that she did miyun to is as if a regular person she's never been married to, a regular stranger. He can marry her relatives and she can marry her his relatives. So you see that miyun uproots the relationship. But on the other hand, there's a problem with this. A girl who marries, her husband has the rights to certain financial things. So he gets uh, money that she finds, things that she makes. He can uh, get rid of her vows. He has certain rights. What happens after the meal? So those things don't revert. So let's say she found an object and then her husband took ownership of it. He continues to own it after the meal. Let's say he, she made a vow and he got rid of it. So after the meal, that vow is still not in effect. It does not take effect. So you see that we don't view it in halacha as if absolutely nothing happened. So how do we square these two sources? On the one hand, we view it as if the marriage never happened and they can marry each other's relatives. Their relationship is like strangers. On the other hand, the actual things which took effect during the marriage, let's say he acquired money from her, things that she made, she earned, things that she found, or if he got rid of her vow, so those are still in effect even after the meal. So Reb Chaim explains that the way Miyun works is that it certainly uproots the Kiddushin, but lo mahanya hafkas hamiyun, the Miyun does not help, that we should look back at history and say that this Kiddushin never happened. In other words, we have to acknowledge that the Kiddushin happened and whatever happened during that time period is still in effect. But, But any questions that come up after the Miyun, once she does Miyun, from now on, we always evaluate it as if she was not married. So this is similar to the idea that we talked about before when it comes to evaluating when the simon takes effect, that there might be a difference between backtracking uh, versus questions which come up in the future which relate to things in the past. So Reb Chaim says the similar idea here, that when it comes to Miyun, we don't backtrack and go over all of the past, however much time they were married, and remove every single thing. We don't go back. But any question which comes up in the future, 
even if it relates to things which happened in the past, we view it as if there was no marriage. So if he acquired money from her during the years of their marriage, he keeps it. If he got rid of a neder, that stays. But if we evaluate in the future whether she can marry one of his relatives, so there we say that there is there was no kiddushin and there is no isr. So based on this, says Rab Chaim, this could be the explanation of the Machlokas, the Rambam, and the Raivid with regard to Bas Hamima Enes. As we said, when it comes to Miun, anything which relates to the future, it's as if they were not married. Anything which relates to the past, we keep it in place. So this daughter who was born after her mother did Miun, she got pregnant, then she did Miun, and then her daughter is born. The Rambam says that that daughter gets Mizonos because from the moment she was conceived, she already had the right to be supported by her father. And so this is a question not that pertains to the future, after the Miun, but it happened during the marriage. Right when that child was conceived, she already had the right to be supported, and that was before the Miun, and therefore it stays even after the Miun. On that, that's what the Ravid disagrees with, and he says, no, hold on. A girl does not get the right to be supported by her father until she's actually born. It's not during the pregnancy. It's during the moment of birth. And this daughter of Amima Enes, by the time she was born, her mother had already done Miun. So when she was born, the question of whether her father has to support her related to the future after the Miun, and therefore she does not get the right to her father's Mizonos. So that's what the Ravid disagrees. He says the only way for this daughter to get Mizonos would be for her to have been born before the Miun, and that's impossible, because as soon as she's born, her mother becomes a Gedola, and she can no longer do Miun. So the Ravid and the Rambam are not disagreeing in a, whether or there can be a Basamema Enes, whether that case could exist, as the Magid Mishnah said it. According to Rab Chaim, they're disagreeing about a Halacha. They both agree that a woman could get pregnant, then do Miun, and then have a child. So the, the case of a basamima enes could certainly exist according to both the Rambam and the Ravid. The Ravid's argument is that even though it's possible for this girl to exist, she cannot have a claim to the Mizonos because she only gets that right when she's born and that has to be after the Mion. There's no possibility for a child to be born before Mion. So that's the Ravid's disagreement with the Rambam. It's not on the issue of whether a woman could do Mion and have a baby. They both hold, unlike Tosos, that that's possible, so long as she does Mion during the pregnancy. The Machlokas, the Rambam, and the Ravid relates to the unique nature of Mion that anything in the future we act, we see it as if the marriage never happened. Uh, anything that happened during that marriage, it will take effect. And so they're disagreeing about how Mizonos of the daughter of a Mima'enes plays into that dynamic. So this is the piece from Rav Chaim. It's, again, a very long, uh, there's somewhat complicated piece on an obscure topic, uh, but he does a very comprehensive job analyzing the whole notion of banim harehim kesimanim. The key conceptual point that Rav Chaim wants to argue throughout this piece is that we can differentiate between the simen itself versus when the simen makes her a gedola. So the simen itself is getting pregnant, and that already affects certain things like whether she could do miyun, uh, whether when she's going to become a bogeres. So it does make some difference, but it does not make her a gedola according to the Rambam. 
the Rambam holds that she only becomes a full-fledged Gedola once she gives birth. So that's Reb Chaim's key point. Uh, in the course of this piece, he also touches on a number of other important conceptual issues. Number one is the whole issue of what does Banim Harem Kesimanim mean? The Machlokus Rishonim, does it mean conception or does it mean birth? And uh, if you hold its birth, what is the relationship of conception to that? Does birth, is birth just necessary to establish that this is a viable child? Or is the birth really the moment that determines that she's a Gedola? So he explores the relationship between conception and birth in the whole issue of Banim Harem Kesimanim. Uh, number two, Reb Chaim has a distinction between the simon of becoming a sris and the simon of becoming a gadol. And he says that a sris, and he applies this also to tumtumen and androginos, uh, those simanim are not really that they're adults, they're simanim that they are those types of people, sris or an androginos, and that makes them into a gadol too. They're an adult uh, Sirius or an adult androginos, but it doesn't, it's not actually a simon that they are a guttle, as opposed to giving birth or shteisairos, those are simanim that this person is actually a guttle. So these two categories of simanim will play out differently in the halacha, and Rab Chaim touches on that. Third, he has a brief distinction between becoming a gedola and becoming a bogaris, that a gedola is actually something actively that her body changes, she becomes a gedola. A bogaris is just the absence of being a naira. So uh, once she becomes a gedola, six months later, she automatically becomes a bogaris. And finally, Reb Chaim has a very important discussion of miun, and this is a very key conceptual point, that miun is not so simple. It's not doesn't just uproot and annul the marriage, and it's as if it never happened, but it depends what sort of issue we're discussing. Things which happen during the marriage remain in place, but any question in the future, we backtrack and consider it as if this marriage never happened. And some of the later achronim do discuss that. Uh, based on that, Reb Chaim has a new explanation for the Machlokas, the Ramam and the Ravid, whether the daughter of Mama Enes has the rights to her father's food.